0: There's so much stuff up here, I don't know if I've got, I guess I can preach announcements, I can preach VBS workers, VBS prayer guy. <laughs> it's good to be with you today and to share a little bit of, of God's Word in your journey. Just a little bit about me because I know you really don't care, uh, and I'm good with that. But you give me the wonderful privilege of being the Executive Director of the Gulf Coast Baptist Association, of which your church is a tremendous part. You, along with 63 other churches in Harrison, Hancock, and Stone Counties, uh, band together to do work together locally, mission work together locally, uh, to do church training, uh, leader training, teacher training, preacher training. Uh, We don't have a lot of success training preachers. They tend not to take it too well. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it it is my joy to to give direction and leadership to what we do together as an association of churches. And thank you for your part in that. Um, I want to invite you to take your Bible and look with me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Open your Bible up, and if it says something like Haggai, Zechariah, something like that, just keep going right. And if you open it up and it says, Matthew, keep going right a little more. And if it says... Luke, John, Acts, and then go back to the left. You'll get in there, I promise you. Mark chapter 4. And when you get there, just stick a finger in it. We'll get to it in a minute. One of the things that Jesus did was when he taught, he taught with, with pictures. He told stories. A lot of people get upset when preachers tell stories. No, I came to hear him preach. I didn't come to hear a story. It's amazing that Jesus, when he preached, told stories. I think Jesus understood the adage very well that a picture is worth a thousand words. And Jesus would take pictures of everyday life and he would paint them on the canvas of our mind. And when he did that, he would, he would teach tremendous spiritual truth. He told a story about a woman losing a coin, a, a shepherd searching for a lost sheep, a father looking for a son who had run away. Those stories translate to us. We've heard them, but maybe we've known situations where we've, we've turned the house upside down looking for that dollar bill or that last quarter we need to get a, a blizzard down at Dairy Queen. Don't be so spiritual. I know you've done it. <laughs> or maybe we've stood in the doorway and we've looked longingly wondering if today is going to be the day that that errant son or daughter comes back home. Pictures and stories are powerful things. Many of the parables Jesus told, the stories he told were about heaven and the, the kingdom of heaven. And many of those began with something like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he would go on to use a very familiar theme, very familiar occurrence, and again would teach great spiritual truth. Well, it had been a good day. The crowd that had come to hear him preach had, had gathered and um, They were listening intently to what he was, was saying. Um, as the day went on, the crowd grew larger. And eventually Jesus sat down by the sea. Mark chapter 4 verse 1 says that a great multitude had gathered. And so much so that Jesus had to get into a boat and, uh, and teach from the boat as the crowd gathered and pressed in upon him. And as he looked at the crowd, he looked over their heads, and in the distance he saw something that happened every day in the spring. It was nothing unusual. It was a very ordinary thing, a very common thing. He saw a man with a bag over his shoulder walking in a field and he was taking his hand, reaching into that bag, grabbing seed and just throwing it. Nothing unusual about that at all. Matter of fact, they had probably walked by this same guy as they made their way to, uh, by word of mouth to hear the teaching of this, this wonderful teacher. They may never have even noticed him. Isn't it amazing how we can see something that's so ordinary that we miss it and somebody does something or says something and and points to some significance? like, why didn't I see that? And Jesus saw this occurrence. A farmer going about doing what farmers do. And he took that very familiar image and he taught them. And he said this. Listen to this, verse 3. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And it came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And other seeds fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, as soon as the disciples and he were alone, they came back to him and began to ask him questions. And in verse 11 he said to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, in order that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may not hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. We'll come back to that in a minute. That's important. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves and are only temporary. Then after, or when affliction or or persecution arises because of the word, they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown in the good soil and they hear the word and accept it and they bear fruit thirty, sixty and a hundredfold. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you will add your blessing to the reading of the word today. May it speak to our hearts, your Holy Spirit, use us, use this word to bring us more in line with what you desire us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A farmer doing what farmers do, and Jesus takes that very familiar image and teaches us something about life, teaches us something about ourselves and speaks to us. As I look at this, there are several questions that come to mind. And, and, and who is the sower? Is there something special about this guy, this, this guy that Jesus singled out and called their attention to? Is there something special about him? Well, he's really a mysterious figure. Um, we may say that, uh, that God is the sower. And make this an allegory, and, and this represents this, and this figure represents this, and this represents that. And we could say very easily that God himself is the sower. In Jeremiah it says God likens himself to one who sows seed, who plants, and indeed expects a harvest. God is a persistent sower, for He continues to knock on the door of our heart. He continues to call and beckon us. He continues to plant seed in the, in the, the, the soil of our heart with the intent that that seed take root, that it produce faith, and we become a part of the kingdom of God as His children. God is persistent in His sowing. We might say that Christ is the sower. Indeed, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came and planted his life when he didn't have to, that he gave up everything that was his. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that he divested himself of all that was his uh, at, at the throne of God as God, very God himself. He divested, he emptied himself of that and took on the form of man. And he became obedient in that form, even to the point of dying. He divested himself, and he planted himself in this world, in this existence, our existence, so that you and I might have the possibility of life. To have our sins forgiven, our sins wiped away, and receive new, eternal life. We could very easily say that Jesus is the sower. We could say that that the Holy Spirit is the sower. John says in in his gospel that the purpose of the Spirit is to, to do three things, but basically he is to convict of sin and righteousness, to convict the world, to convince the world that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. That Jesus is the Son of God. He is the, the sacrifice for our sin. He is the, the gift of God to us so that we might have life, so that we might be forgiven, so that all of the muck and the mire that we find ourselves in, all of us who find ourselves at one time or another, that spiritual prodigal, and we find ourselves in the pig pen of life, and He cleans us up. And he con- the Holy Spirit convinces us that Jesus is exactly who the Word says He is. We can very easily say that you and I as believers are the sower. For as we go about our life and we have this Christ implanted in us because of our faith in, in, in Him as, as our Savior, He's done something in our lives and we can't help but share that. I guarantee you that, well, Ed McMahon won't do it anymore, but if Publisher's Clearinghouse knocks on my door, I'm going to tell somebody. Somebody. And something far greater has happened to each of us who know Christ, who've received Him, who've had our sins washed away. And as we tell our story, as we tell the story of of where we were and what we were and who we were and how that changed because of our faith in Christ, we spread seed of testimony. Of change that's possible. But this story is really not about the sower. Well, what about the seed? It's always interesting to me that. when when Scripture interprets itself. I mean, the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture. Not what somebody else says, not what they thought when they woke up one morning and said, "Oh, that sounds good. But the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself. And right here, Jesus gives us a prime example. He tells the story of the sower. He comes down in the explanation in verse 13 and following. And he says, do you not understand? Verse 14, he says, the sower sows the What? the Word. Now, I have a good friend. Well, I have a friend um, who has a ministry. He's not Baptist. Um, but he likes to take this, this verse and, and really take it out of context. And uh, he and I are going to have a conversation one day, but um, he likes to take this verse, and he, uh, when he wants to take an offering, he'll say, now I want you to take your offering." And I want you to hold this up. This is your seed that you're going to plant in this ministry. And he's going to base it off of this this, this verse. And I go, whoa, 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 time out. That's not what this verse says. Now, the Bible very definitely affirms that God will take what we give and he will multiply it. And he will use it and he will do things with it that we never, ever thought possible. But that's not... Based on this verse, but Jesus says, The sower sows the word the Word of God injected into the hearts and lives of individuals injected inserted into the everyday discourse when someone is hurting when we have an opportunity to to be a, 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 a consoler and a comfort, we have an opportunity to, to share what God has been teaching us. Paul says in second Corinthians chapter, chapter one that God comforts us in all of our affliction. why? so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction like us. So the things that you endure, the things that you, that, that you live through, the things that, that God teaches you in those moments of, of affliction and despair and distress, how God comes to you and lifts your head and comforts you, God does so so that when you encounter a friend, someone else, who is in that same affliction or same type of affliction, and say, let me tell you how God Worked with me. Let me tell you how God comforted my heart. Let me tell you how God gave me strength. And he'll do that for you. And we have an opportunity to take the word of God and implant it into an individual's life with the intent and desire to bear fruit. But this verse, this parable is really not about the seed. Now, the seed is important because you can't get a harvest without seed. It's not about the sower, but somebody needs to to be scattering the seed. When you come right down to it, this parable is about dirt. This is a dirty sermon. Come on, wake up. You're here at 8 o'clock for a reason. No. It's about dirt. It's about soil. And Jesus goes on in, in verses 13 and following, and he gives the explanation, and he describes four different kinds of soil. He says the kingdom of heaven is like this soil. Maybe instead of the parable of the sower, we need to call this the parable of the soil. And he describes four kinds, and let's walk through those real quickly. He says the first of those is the wayside hearer, or the hearer with a closed mind. He says, and these are those uh, who are, are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, and when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. You walk down a a garden path, or on the side of the garden, you've tilled the soil where the you've planted the seeds and where the crops are growing. But on the edge is what kind of hard, kind of packed down. And if you were to go out and just throw the seed on that, uh, the seed does what? It just kind of hits, kind of bounces along the top you're probably not going to get much return. You're probably not going to get much okra uh, off that ground right there. Now, I kind of like okra. Kind of like it fried, in case anybody, any of you care. I'm a southern boy. I told somebody one time, when it's time to eat, something's going to die and something's going to fry. So, <laughs> And fried okra's the best. But you're not going to get much soil. You're not going to get much okra off of ground that or corn or beans or, or cotton or anything off of ground that does, kind of looks like concrete. It's just going to sit there on top. One of the things that we didn't talk about earlier is that around that sower... What time do I got to finish? Now? Okay. Okay. Anyway. Or the birds, that sower's going out and he's throwing seed and you got these birds that are coming around. and What are they doing? They're finding that, that seed that's on that hard pan and they're feasting. And that's kind of like what Satan does. When the soil of our heart is so hard and the Word of God just bounces across it and, and instead of feasting on, on, the, on the, the, the seed, the evil one feasts upon us and our hard-heartedness and our cold-heartedness the wayside hearer, that, that hearer with a closed mind. He receives the seed, but, but there's no life that comes out of it. The seed is on the surface, but it's not in the soil. And this person is destitute of spiritual knowledge and perception and understanding. But the really sad part is those folks may be very religious. Oh, they they know the words. They know the language of of church and Zion. And they may hold positions in the church because of who they are in the community and the church thinks, well, maybe that individual is the kind of individual we want to be in charge of XYZ committee. And because of who they are, not whose they are, they may be very spiritual, very religious, but they may, may not be Christ's. Hmm. Let me tell you how you can identify those folks. Those folks who, whose the soil of their heart is so hard that the Word of God doesn't penetrate, even though they're in church. It, sooner or later, they're going to say something like this. Well, I don't care what the Bible says. I think there's your first clue. When a man or a woman, a boy or a girl says, Look, I really don't care what the Bible says. I, this is what we ought to do. You need to be running from those folks. Because there's a spiritual bone in their body no matter the position that they hold. He talks about another kind of soil. And he says, this is the stony ground hearer, or the hearer with an emotional mind. Verse 16, he says, these are the ones on whom, the, similar, these are the ones on whom the soil was sown, the seed was sown on the rocky places, and when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no firm root, only temporary, and then when affliction or persecution arises again because of the word, immediately they fall away. Here the seed is is received in in that, that stony ground, but there's not enough looseness in the soil for the seed to take root and those roots to go deep. It's on and it's in, but it's not down in the soil. This may describe an individual who is is very easily excited, enthusiastic initially about the Word, but eventually when, when life happens and somebody questions them or somebody ridicules them because they're, well, they're now a Jesus freak or they're a goody-goody or they're whatever you want to call them. Well, maybe this thing about Christianity is not what I thought it was. They're kind of describing an individual who who maybe they can jump four rows of pews in a single bound, and they're all excited. But six weeks later, you can't find them with the FBI and bloodhounds. You've seen some of those folks. They start out, appear to start out so well. But the word does not take root because of the type of soil that's their heart. The stony place is where there's only a thin layer of earth and beneath it is hard, unimpressionable rock. We've got too many stony hearts in our churches and we bear the, the brunt of it. Jesus says there's another type of soil. In verse 18, And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, These are the ones who've heard the word, and the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The thorny ground hearer, or the hearer with a wandering mind, here the seed initially takes root, but it... Tender, loving care is not given to the plant and its development. And very soon, the weeds grow and the thorns grow, and it chokes out the goodness of that plant. You've seen it. Maybe it happens to you. I'm not a gardener, I'm not a horticulturalist. We had our staff over at the house last night for a little cookout, and my secretary came up. She said, What's this? I said, It's colored grass some kind of lumbago, lumbago, I don't know what it was, but it's some kind of colored plant. I said, it's all grass to me. That's why I really don't need to be growing a garden. Because after a while, things just grow up and choke. When we first bought our first house, I'll tell you this right quick. My uh, my wife has arthritis and, and her knee's pretty bad and she... Uh, they, the people that we bought the house from had a flower bed of sorts across the front of the house and um, she wanted it cleaned out and I said, baby, I don't know one blade of grass from a weed so if you want me to do this you're going to stand here and tell me what to pull and she did. She told me, she said, pull this, pull that. And I, I, I was on my knees across that whole, what felt like 30 yards of, of, of flower bed, probably more like 10 feet. But anyway, I got through and I said, now nah, I did it. And if we have to do, or if I have to do this again, we're planting concrete here. When we sold the house, there was a patio on the front of the house. But that was her idea, not mine. But there are people who hear the word, receive the word, but other things just take preeminence. Jesus called them like this. He said, the worries of the world, and doggone do we have things in this world to worry about. And I won't even get into the events of the last 12 months. But life has worries. We've got a grandbaby due any time. This will be our fifth. What kind of world are they going to live in? You, you can drive yourself to distraction just wondering about what kind of world are they going to live in? How, you know, what about your kids? Doggone, are they going to get their education? And are they going to follow through with that education and, 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 and build a life? Are they going to be distracted by things that so many other young people are distracted by? And their life's going to get off course. You see, if we we think about it and just let ourselves sit down and, and, and mull over it, we can find a lot of things to worry about. And those worries of the world can consume us. Or he said, either the worries of the world are the deceit of riches. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. You know, that really doesn't matter what economic class you're in. How much do people need? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And that can become an all-consuming quest to put our trust in the 401k, the annuity, and find our our. our Our strength and our foundation there, and that can become so deceitful. I've just got to have this thing. Well, boy, if I can have this new phone or this new car, Jesus calls that the desires for for other things. It's not that what we have is bad. I've got a truck that's paid off for the first time in my life. You know it drives so much better. It really does. The gas mileage is better. I don't have a clue if it is or not. But it would be very easy to say. You know that was a good looking truck on that on that lot. Mm, this one's getting a little old. Or you know I could trade this in on that 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 convertible Mustang. Well, I'd look good in that Mustang. I'd have to peel it off, but but I'd look good in that Mustang. I don't need that Mustang. What I really want is a new Polaris Slingshot. Go look it up, you'll understand why. But those things, nothing wrong with any of them in their proper place. But when it becomes our quest, when it becomes our all-consuming desire, those desires for other things, those worries of the world, the deceitfulness of of that which is never enough, that chokes off the Word. And the Word in our life becomes unfruitful. And then Jesus said, there's one other soil, and let me... Wrap up with this quickly. He said, There's the good ground here. And here, the seed, man, it does what it's supposed to do. It finds that soil that's fertile. The ground's been tilled. The hard pan, hard pan has been broken up. It's fertilized. And that seed finds that soil moist and rich and full of nutrients. And that seed hits that ground and it explodes. and it produces a harvest, he said, 30, 60, or 100-fold. Now, there's a, there's a real quick truth here for Baptists. The sower did all that sowing. but three-fourths of the soil uh, of the seed he sowed hit ground that was unresponsive. Now, <laughs> the average Baptist treasure, and I, I don't number one, I don't know who the treasurer is here, so I'm not talking about anybody, just being facetious. But the average Baptist looks at that and says, well, my goodness, would you look at that? He wasted three-fourths of the seed. If he'd have just, mm, you've got to sow seed to make a harvest. You've got to plant the seed to make a harvest. And not everything is going to produce. Not everything that we do in the community, not every mission thing that we do, not every mission trip that we take part in, not every, every, every family that we make contact with is going to produce a harvest and is going to become a part of the church this church or any church but we keep spreading the seed regardless because what happens with the seed is up to God not up to us in that sense we just keep spreading the soil of the seed here's the takeaway today what kind of seed what kind of soil are you when you look at this verse, when you look at this passage and and the spirit of God speaks to you and your heart of hearts and the honesty of your heart, what kind of what kind of dirt are you? Is your heart the place where the spirit of God can implant the word of God and it just takes root and it has its effect and it produces or if you were very honest with would your life be the one like that, that third one, the stony ground, where, you know, church is all right. And I'm here. She drugged me here. They dragged me here every Sunday. But there's somewhere else I'd rather be. Is that you? Maybe you're here because this is the place to be. Church is where you're supposed to be on Sunday but the Word of God really has no impact. Other things choke it out. When it's that boat that you're going to hit after Sunday school or as soon as I hush, and you're going to get out on the water, you're going to go fishing, or you're going to hit the motorcycle. I got one of those. And uh, you're going to ride. And that's your quest is to, to get out and have fun. And you're here because... It's either good for business or it's what somebody else expects of you. Or is your heart that, that hard pan? And the Word of God just kind of bounces off. Now, I got news for you today. The Holy Spirit speaks. And that uncomfortable part, that, un- that uncomfortable feeling you, you're, you're experiencing right now, and, and maybe this, along this time, every sermon, every Sunday you're here, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And He's calling you and asking you and begging you to, to accept Jesus for who He is. Not just the, the, the one who came from heaven and became the, the Christmas Jesus, but there's this Easter Jesus that sacrificed for you for me, for all of us so that we might have our sins forgiven we might be able to go and have eternal life beginning now and all through eternity But what you're feeling is the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit so, but you don't know my dirt <laughs> you don't know my life here's the good news God can change your dirt He can change your dirt It begins with, God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I trust that what the Bible says about Jesus is true. I don't know why I do, but I do. Help me to believe. Forgive my sin. And change my dirt.